Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome, everyone, to RB1 Colon Fantasy Football Podcast, part of the Fake Teams Podcast channel. I am. We're going all out here. Last show of 2020. I am the consummate professional, presenter of the DeAndre Swift gift for those with a Swift lift up the fantasy gift list, rom-com aficionado, conductor of the now completely dead Devin Funches hype train, worshiper of Nikhil Harry, friends with the Oracle, constant doubter of Alvin Kamara, would draft Terry McLaurin over Amari Cooper 10 times out of five, would kindly like you to wear a mask so we can all watch Cam Newton remind the NFL just how good he is, grand marshal of the Alvin Kamara apology parade, first ranking officer of the Terry McLaurin stand club, and diamond mounter of the Jerry Judy Jewelry Company, your humble host Pete Rogers. And I am joined by some of the guys. We have the Duck Father, Governor and Overseer of the Derrick Henry Rage Manor, recovering Texas fan, DK Metcalf's number one admirer, caster of the double reverse chutzpah, champion of doggos everywhere, proponent for a Jon Snow hair product line, foreteller of the Devontae Parker's breakout, believer in Deshaun Watson gospel, founder and lone proprietor of the Gus the Bus Four Seasons Busing Service, lead singer of Hanson Comet Chad, the man formerly known as Steve Timberland, resident old man Clark Barnes, and finally, fantasy football's premier internet doctor, the biggest 49ers fan you know, Larry Fitzgerald, loans a, loans a monitor, loather of Adam Gase, the number two Walter Sobchak, but number one Tarzan, fan of what scientists lovingly call facts, teacher of the if you're not cheating, you're not trying mentality, sunken lieutenant of the SS Deshaun Jackson, doubter of John Gruden's Jacob's Handel Schick, the Prashant Perryman Ferryman, lifeguard in training your neighborhood, Chase Claypool, thinks your favorite team is run by donkeys, the ginger mustache man, Nick Botiford. Guys, how you doing today? Well, that was a good show, guys. All right. <laughs> and we'll see and that was our week. 30 minutes. Yeah. Good. Doing great, Pete. How are you? Uh, I am well. I figured it's uh, the last show of 2020, and we will get all of all of the titles that we have earned throughout this year's and this season, uh, get them all out of the way, and then we will start fresh in uh, 2021. Yeah. Are you still conducting the Nikhil Harry I will die on the Nikhil Harry train. Really? I I will. I will. I don't know why, but I just, I think it's because of there is now I've now fully committed. So at first, when he first entered the league, I was just like, yes, Belichick drafted a first round wide receiver. Everything was like chalk. I was excited about him. He was a big physical guy. And now I've like, I've pushed myself into this corner of he is Devontae Adams and Devontae Adams took three years to like finally be a legit number one wide receiver. And so I'm like, that is, that's the hill I'm going to die on. Nikhil Harry is going to take a couple, a, a long period of time. His rookie year, he was injured a lot. This year, he's playing with Cam Newton in a banged up offense and he's injured a lot. Like, uh, let's, I mean, maybe next year, really, we should be counting as his rookie year, right? Am I right, guys? You guys are all agreeing with me. You can't see it, but they're nodding their heads, podcast listeners. I think that's sound. I think also uh, Cam, you know, Cam's nickname for him does imply that he kind of has his focus off field. So maybe if he just kind of tunes thing up, I'll let everybody go look that up for themselves. It's inappropriate to mention on the show here, but uh, you know, 
maybe if he gets uh, football kind of at the front of his mind, then uh, he'll he'll turn that corner. That we've Devontae also just Adams seen, corner. Yeah, we've seen flashes from him where it's just like you throw jump balls on on like go routes or back shoulder fades, and he wins them because he's six foot three and you know can win contested balls. And it's just like, all right, let's uh, let's let's see consistency. That's what I'm looking for. Clark just wants consistency out of the Houston Texans. That's all he asks for. The only, I just, the only comment I have about all of this is I have for the past 10 years been completely against everyone just absolutely hanging from Tom Brady's jock just constantly. Just, I, you know, it's, it's not his fault, but you get so tired of people talking about how great someone is that at least in me, it just creates a dislike for that person, which is totally unfair. But I think that this year has shown how really great Tom Brady was taking that team last year to the playoffs and taking an absolutely uh, lost Tampa Bay Buccaneers to the heights that they have seen this year. So I don't expect uh, Tampa Bay to be as good as they were against Detroit, where I think Blaine Gabbert threw for, what, four touchdowns? I don't know, a lot. Something like that. Yeah. But that is the Bruce Arians offense. Did you notice how three giant wide receivers were always 30 yards downfield and one of them was open? So this is what Bruce Arians does. It's, it's really interesting. It's going to be really interesting to watch going into the playoffs. You know, nobody wants to catch the Bucks in round one. I think what's really interesting about you saying all of that is that it, it's very uh... – I'll shut up here in a second for you, Pete, but I think it's it's telling that you really are a Pacific Northwest resident now. Uh, anyone who just has a uh, gut reaction, like gut vitriolic reaction to the mention of Tom Brady for it, you know, whenever he gets talked about as being so great, uh, you fit in well here. And I, I guess you're turning the corner, which means you'll fit in well with me now, which means you don't fit well with anyone <laughs> in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, the mention of Tom Brady being good turns families against each other. Uh, out here so Mark's just got to get used to to the existence of winters now that's the only thing holding him back speaking of turning families against each other we played risk on christmas day and my mother-in-law made an enemy for the rest of her life i'll just leave it at that oh man she knows what she did so to peel back some onion curtain here this might not surprise you guys risk is one of my absolute favorite (laughs) games I have been playing Risk online with my college best friends for 10 years now. This and is the surprised. least surprising thing in the world. <laughs> oh my God, I love it. If I if someone was just to ask me, point like, what's Nick's favorite game? I'd be like, Risk. Yeah, no, yes. they're, 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 you know all you need to know. And I mean, what is really cool <laughs> is you, you got 24 hours to take your turn and it has kept me and a group of guys who all live in different states that would otherwise, you know, not have shit to talk about. Now we have stuff to talk about every day. And do we want to win? Yes, we do. But it's more about the camaraderie. But I still think, you know, they're, that's the like risk. fantasy. Fo- that's the beauty of yeah. fantasy football as well. Beauty of fantasy sports. When you find you find something that like, you know, brings a group of people together and something that you guys have to talk about or, or just like that forces, for lack of a better word, like interactions and like staying up to date in each other's lives. Like that's such a great thing. And that's one of the things I love about my my home fantasy league where it's a bunch of my friends and we've this is like the sixth or seventh year of it. And it's like, we've all, it's made us all stay in contact and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, that's a, it's one of the beautiful aspects of, of like online, online games. Anyways, when, when, when uh, Clark and Nick were talking about Tom Brady, I went and grabbed my <laughs> Becca's sister and his my- child's medium. Tom Brady. <laughs> 
This kid my, Pete is actually was taller than you think. I know that for podcast listeners, this is really interesting, but he just dwarfs everything that he brings on screen. I, I am I am a, a massive human being, and that I like to try to bring that in my voice so that you can hear me and be like, "Wow, that guy." Uh, yeah. Anyways, my my he sounds bro- taller than I think. That's what I think of when I think <laughs> of Pete Rogers. That's what you think when you think of Pete Rogers. My my sister and brother in law got me for Christmas a Tom Brady Bucks jersey. So I was showing everyone that. I don't know when I'll wear it, but I will have I will own it with pride. Especially, I will say I'm not one. I haven't like hit. I haven't been so attached to Tom Brady that I have become a Bucks fan. But if Tom Brady wins a Super Bowl this year or at any point with this Bucks team, I'll be pretty happy. That's pretty cool. Should we talk some fantasy? Not that there's any fantasy to talk about, but it's looking forward to next year. Exactly. That's, yeah. That's what we're here for. So yeah, we're going to do talk some uh, New Year's resolutions for ourselves, for NFL players, coaches, teams, whatever you've got uh, going into 2021. Um, and I can start us off and I will say my first New Year's resolution talking about the New England Patriots is for Mr. Bill Belichick. And it is for him to go get Cam Newton some goddamn weapons so that we can see this Patriots offense actually provide some reliable fantasy value in 2021. We saw this potential at the start of the year before Cam had COVID and something that I think people are forgetting about slash aren't giving enough credit to Julian Edelman got injured. Remember Julian Edelman? Remember how much of like a vital part of this Patriots offense he's been for the last decade and he's been missing most of the time. And we wonder why this offense has struggled. Uh, We've talked about free agent wide receivers before, but the list I've looked over this list. This list is incredible. Allen Robinson, T.Y. Hilton, Marvin Jones Jr., Will Fuller, Curtis Samuel, Juju Smith-Schuster, Chris Godwin, Kenny Galladay, Corey Davis, just to name a few guys, the list goes on. Also, how much do the Titans regret not picking up uh, Corey Davis's option now? Anyways, there's also free free agent tight ends, which is something that the Patriots could add. Just, Bill, my, my resolution for you is don't go into 2021 with the exact same collection of skill players. Go get some actual legit talent here, and let's see what this offense could do uh, in 2021. And from a fantasy standpoint, what you then now offer uh, fantasy managers. Let me throw some names at you here, Pete, because I want to know what kind of receivers you think could actually make a difference uh, for for Cam Newton that you know that aren't like you know they cut Mohamed Sanu in, like in season, right? And that's that's not a move that I would have really expected them to make given the pass catching court that they had. So would someone uh, like Willie Sneed, is that like a needle mover for you? Do you think he would improve the pass catching court? Not particularly. No, okay. I feel like he would just be redundant with Edelman. Okay, uh, Demarcus Robinson. Mm. I want I want a big I want a, I want a flashy name. Go spend some bucks. You got tons so of cap room. Okay. So as far as I mean, how high up do we have to get here? Is that like I get I guess T. Y. Hilton. I he D. D. Westbrook. Scares, I wouldn't mind D. D. Westbrook. Okay. Uh, redundant like, though, because he's he's playing slot, right? But Julian Edelman's also old now, and I know I just used that as my reason for no Willie Sneed, but <laughs> ignore. Uh, okay. I like T.Y. Like T.Y. Hill. I just think I think that there needs to be, even if it's someone on par with Edelman, like clearly the young guys, Jacoby Myers is great. Nikhil Harry, I've already gone to bat for him. But there needs to be a number one receiver who Cam Newton can trust. And I don't think that's going to be 35-year-old Julian Edelman coming off of an injury. Would you trust A.J. Green? Uh, no. I wouldn't either. I would no. ask, have you seen him play this year? Yeah, it he looks look great not good like i know he and julio have both been battling injury but julio looks like he can still play when he plays 
Right. AJ Green just looks like a dad runner. I, and that's now. that's the thing. So did Randy Moss in Oakland. And so it, you know what 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 can Belichick see on on film where like I mean if Bill Belichick brought in AJ Green, would I be like, oh Bill, you screwed? I'd be like, no, Bill Belichick's about to turn AJ Green into a pro bowler again. So okay. Would you prefer one of those kind of big name or so like Allen Robinson, T.Y. Hilton? Would you prefer one of them more uh, than like Hunter Henry or Jared Cook? I, if you're going to pick one of them, I think I would prefer Hunter Henry at the top of my list. God, I, w- I would want him to stay healthy though. And that's worrisome, but we know what Cam Newton could do with a tight end. And like, I mean, he, Greg Olson was a thousand yard receiver with Cam Newton under center. Um, and, and Hunter Henry is an extremely good tight end that I feel like a lot of people have forgotten about because he's dealt with so much injury. Um, and this Patriots offense, we've seen it operate where the tight end can be the number one focus. So, and he's young and kind of fits with the timeline. I think my number one options would be some sort of comp either, Allen Robinson or Hunter Henry. If I was just like, uh, if you, if Bill brought either of those guys in, you, you, you more than surpassed my resolution, Bill Clark. What do you, uh, what do you, what do you hope to happen in 2021? What are the resolutions do you have? So I'll, I'll save my big unpopular one for a second and just Sounds good. keep with the homerism that we have in round one. Uh, the Texans need to resolve to hire an interesting head coach with a proven offensive track record from a proven coach coaching tree and that is uh gonna require some patience because it looks like the chiefs are gonna win the super bowl again but i'm ready for the texans to resolve to hire eric Bieniemy as a new head coach for the we announced we really really suck to the world in week 16 houston texans just something just a coach or or just some just this team to have an overview or, or a makeover where you're not wasting Deshaun Watson's excellence because good Lord, that man is so much fun to watch and he's so good at what he does at the position and he's only going to get better because he's still so young and it would just be one of the greatest crimes of NFL history. If Deshaun Watson like plays the better part of his career on just some no nothing, like if Deshaun Watson has the career of Matt Stafford, that would be very sad to me. And just give Texas fans something to cheer for. Uh, Gary Kubiak was the glazed donut. So it's a donut and you're happy about that, but it's like the worst one. And then (laughs) Bill O'Brien, who wasn't a very good offensive coordinator and then went to Penn, Penn state and showed just no ability to coach a team at all before the Texans brought him in and let him destroy their franchise. Like Texans are going to be bad again next year. So we need something interesting to root for. You want you want like a Brian Flores hire where it's like yes, uh, maybe you, you, like last year Brian Flores Miami Dolphins weren't good, but that's to be expected. And but they still played well. You saw a lot out of it. And then in the year two, you're like, this is a team I can get behind, and they're a team that's now fighting for a playoff spot. That's what you want. You want a coach who's going to come in, change the, the the culture, the just mentality, identity of the Houston Texans, and uh, and give some yeah, put some excitement back into that team. I think it'll be really interesting to see, uh, yeah, who who this hire ends up being. If the team is is being truthful and they actually are consulting Deshaun Watson on who the next head coach will be, and, and he actually gets to play a, a, as prominent of a role in the in the coach search that they say he's going to be playing, um, I think we're going to get to learn a lot about Watson's actual football acumen. He seems to be an extremely smart quarterback. 
but it would be very telling if uh, you know they end up bringing in some sort of traditional minded sure. coach or like a defensive minded coach, um, and even even someone like uh, like Cliff Kingsbury or, or McVay, who have a lot of innovative ideas, but for a few years now, they've started to show us that they really think they need to establish the run in the process. And like, they sort of have stumbled into this, these awesome schemes, but they're not actually using the schemes to the, to their, the fullest extent. Um, so hopefully they avoid even, you know, that kind of halfway mark there. Uh, and, and I mean, I, I would love to see be in a meaning or, or whatever his name is, the chiefs OC, I, that would be phenomenal if he's the guy who goes there uh, I would accept as a, a runner-up uh, uh, Arthur Smith of the Titans. That would be a lot of fun as well, and that could be a cool interdivision uh, FU move by the Texans as well. Nick, what you got? I'll keep it short because I've spoken enough on this this matter. But that is I, not the point of this show, Nick. It's about really letting your. This is a cathartic episode to get all of your vent frustrations out. My New Year's resolution for the Seattle Seahawks is to just go back to what they were at the beginning of this year. It, it's been really disappointing uh, watching them come out with like the greatest aerial show on turf uh, for the first month and a half of the season. And then when you start to look at their first half, first and second down passing rates and how they progress through the year in relation to Pete Carroll being given a contract extension in the middle of the season and what happens to their play calling after that contract is signed? It's fucking infuriating because what Spursy he did Nick is back. I mean, it's just you just look at the timeline. Like they were a first and second down passing team in the first half of games. When you learn what a team wants to be, when it's still a neutral game script, you see what they believe their identity to be, and they were phenomenal. And then he signs his contract extension. I think it was like in week nine. Within the next two to three weeks, that passing rate just starts to tick, 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 tick down. And I mean, the average between the first four weeks and the last four weeks is a difference of 10% at passing rate. They were fourth in the league at 64% to start the year on passing on first and second down in the first half of games. Now they're down to 54%, which is like 17th in the league. And like, I, you know, I'm, I'm scrolling through Twitter and I'm seeing like beat reporters writing, the key to the Seahawks season was their defense improving at the end of the year. And it's just like this fucking echo chamber is driving me out of my mind. And anyway, my new year's resolution is for them to get back to the pre Pete Carroll contract extension ways. And I have zero faith that it is going to happen. Uh, But anyway, that's, that's the resolution. I know. So it's just hard for Pete. We're going to bring up the Patriots again, Pete Carroll, that is. That every time Russell Wilson throws a pass, he just sees the Super Bowl trophy being ripped from his hands. <laughs> it's hard to get over that. It's true. It is I, true. Uh, yeah. I just yeah. I love Nick's I love Nick's theory. It's foolproof. This theory that that Pete Carroll was like playing into the modern NFL of being this super like analytical pass happy offense that was thriving, absolutely thriving. And then as soon as he, in order to get this long-term deal, and as soon as he got that long-term deal, he was like, all right, fuck it. I'm going back, going back I mean, to what I've a, always done because I showed you I security. could do it. <laughs> he got job security and then he went, whew. I love it. 
I just like the point of the like myopic team reporting of like some guy who's pretty smart or respected said this thing that like if you squint hard enough and weren't really paying attention makes a lot of sense. And then everyone just piles on because that's gotta be the answer, right? It's how you get things like, Oh, you know, we were talking to the coach, you know, during this week before the game and, you know, they said they wanted to really do well on third down. Like I've heard that a million times this year. It's like, no shit. You want to do good on third down. Like what? That's like saying we want to score points. Yeah, guys. <laughs> oh, and then you just hear it over and over and over again. Uh, because all of these resolutions will come true, can I add an addendum onto yours, Nick, just to make sure that this also part comes true? I'd also good. like – I would li- – <laughs> I would like I would like the Seattle Seahawks passing attack to figure out how to allow DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett to both have great games. If that if they could figure out how both of those guys could like just, you know, I'm not asking for massive production. I'm asking for like, you know, 80 yards and a touchdown from one and 80 yards from another or just like just something where it's not just like Tyler Lockett is this has three games every year where he scores 10 touchdowns. And then does absolutely nothing for the rest of the year. So he ultimately finishes as a, you know, mid-tier wide receiver too. But for the better part of the year is a wide receiver five for you. If if the Seahawks in this whole push to get Russell West, what Russell Wilson back to letting him cook and throwing the football all over the field. Let's also, let's also make sure that uh, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett can both experience terrific games uh, at the same time. Just throwing it out there. Yeah, I, what's so aggravating is like David Moore is an excellent third receiver, but they are hellbent on using two tight end formations. And I like, I, how do you prioritize giving Will Disley, who has good hands and just destroyed legs, like offensive lineman speed out there, Will Disley and Greg Olson are getting snaps like go, I mean, or fucking Hollister, he's not even that good either, but like, all three of these guys, they're using up two personnel spots on the field at all times at the expense of David Moore. And like, love it. <sighs> Tell you win championships. You know? Tell you win championships. Big slow guys. I mean, all I'm saying is they let Russ cook at the goal line and he threw it away. So. <laughs> and, and what's so funny is the way that that happened. Bill Belichick talked openly after as he was like, yeah, we were planning for that play because they only at that point in time, they were throwing the ball at like 88% uh, clip went in three wide receiver sets. And this mm-hmm. was the, and the only time that they would pivot out of their like goal line rushing was in this one formation and they saw it. And that's how what's his dick just jumped Malcolm around Butler. and <laughs> Malcolm Butler. Yeah. Like he, the Patriots knew exactly what was going to happen because Pete Carroll is his mantra is we're going to run the ball when they know we're going to, well, what if we, they didn't know what you were going to do? What if that was part of the game plan? Like you would have had another Super Bowl and you would have been able to coast on Russell Wilson being on a $300,000 contract, even more than you already do. Man, just seeing how much Sean Payton has coasted on his one Super Bowl win, I couldn't even imagine how much Pete Carroll would coast on two Super Bowl wins, like back to like within three years of each other. That would just be incredible. Pete Carroll will be set for life. It would be amazing. Here for it. All right, going to cut in for a quick ad break. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. 
Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right, back to whatever it was that we were talking about. All right, my second New Year's resolution. Uh, this one is for Jerry Jones. Jerry, suck it up and pay Dak. Give him whatever he wants. This offense is too loaded with fantasy talent to be left in the hands of some cheap-ass quarterback you find off the free agency. I want to see Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, and Michael Gallup all give me reliable fantasy numbers. I want to see Zeke back to RB1 status and an expanded role in the passing game. Give Dak what he's worth and uh, let this offensive ride, baby. Or or Nick shaking, you said. Let Zeke be the RB one on the ground. Tony Pollard be the wide receiver, be the running back wide receiver. Basically, let's this offense cook on all levels with all the talent it has. Jerry Jones, suck it up, open up the wallet, and go pay Dak what he's worth. So unsurprisingly, we have uh, more than one person that wants to talk about where Dak should end up Ooh. at the end of this year. And for me, it's it's the San Francisco 49ers. They've got 22 million in cap space. You made me the 49ers fan. Okay, I thought that was a negative response. No, no, no. If Kyle Shanahan got Dak Prescott, holy mother of God. Yeah, so they've got 22 and a half uh, in cap space next year. The year after that, they're up to 84 million, though. So they can make the deal at whatever cost they they need to. Um, as as far as what Dallas should do, I mean, their, their contract with Zeke is just fucking criminal they are locked they're locked into this guy i mean if, if they cut him next year just next year alone they're losing 24 million dollars i add the next year and it's up to 34 million i mean they're they're over 40 million dollars in dead money if they cut him and at this point tony pollard is the better running back for today's nfl for what for what offensive coordinator scott turner wants to do make make the counterpoint to second clark for what that team wants to do. They want a dual threat, talented pass catching back to lead the way. You've got a guy who played slot receiver half the time was he, when he was in college at Memphis. And he's Pollard can, can be a better 2021 running back than Ezekiel Elliott can, in my opinion. Uh, so if they do, if they do roll with, with Dak, I think they got to try to get Zeke out of the building. But anyway, my new year's resolution for Kyle Shanahan is that he should bring in uh rain dakota prescott and let him rain in san francisco love it i want to i will just prime it and we should have this discussion in the off season so i was watching the cowboys game uh zeke looks healthy again which he hasn't looked like for most of the year granted it's against the eagles that's like playing against the texans lots of people look good against the eagles tony pollard is the fast and interesting back who breaks the huge plays and that's awesome and you should have part of that in your offense uh but when you need two yards and one yard is blocked having a back like chris carson or ezekiel elliott who can get that extra yard is also a game-changing play 
that just goes unnoticed because it's not a 75 yard touchdown, but continuously turning the ball over on third down kills your offense. So I think there's room for both of those. I think Zeke just had a bad year. Uh, and y'all will hear this all off season that I am going to be a let's invest in Ezekiel at late in the first round when everybody's thinks that he's done and that Tony Pollard is going to take a bigger piece of the action. Uh, I, I think the Cowboys are just, they had a really rough year. It's a buying opportunity for Zeke and Pollard is interesting. He should be more involved. They should use him more, but I still think Zeke is one of those transformational backs that can do everything. And while he's not as flashy as Pollard, he's a better running back than Pollard, but we can talk about that for months. That, that's what off season's great. Yeah. That is what the off season is for. It's for us to wild, wildly debate and speculate. That's and why they rhyme. A competent quarterback going to San Francisco. Oh, I, I don't know if I could contain myself. Oh, be still my beating heart. That would just be absolutely incredible. And the thing is too, is, is that the 49ers, like the offensive talent is there. It's not that like Dak is then going to a, like, you would have Debo Samuel, Brandon, Ayuk, George Kittle, Raheem Mostert in the backfield, Jeff Wilson jr. Who's like emerged at this, like, good God, man, with Kyle Shanahan calling plays. Oh, and I know, so I, I do a little bit of statistician work, and I know that this is not true, but also I like to play with my heart. Like, San Francisco is due for a season that is not robbed from them because 40 starters get hurt. Yeah. Yeah, 100% true. Clark, what you got? So uh, my, my New Year's resolution is uh, for the NFL, and we need to stop rewarding bad performances and stop uh, relegating young men to horrible working conditions and we need to abolish the NFL draft. I second that notion wholeheartedly. The impetus of this was watching the Jaguars continue to be the Jaguars, knowing that they are likely going to get one of the hottest and most exciting college quarterback prospects that we have seen in years. While I don't follow college football very closely, I remember when Trevor Lawrence was like a freshman, people saying just, go ahead and lock it in. And people say that a lot, but then usually over the next three years, they'll have some bad games or get hurt or something. And it's just going to be just a disgrace that that talent is going to go to the Jaguars who've been in the league for what, 30 years. And they've been an absolute laughing stock for 25 of them. It's, it's pathetic. And I hate it. Yeah. I, I have long, there's been so many good, so much, be, so many better ideas proposed in terms of like, uh, 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 you know, player equity is not the right word, but just like, you know, taking into consideration, a, like you treat it as a job interview. And so like, it, there's been, we've talked about this on the show before, where it's like, instead of a draft, each team has, you know, a rookie contract pool and you can dedicate as much of that to whatever however many rookies you want and so players can come in and interview and if you want to spend all of your money to there there's a lot of uh propositions out there of how to replace the nfl draft the bottom line is is i completely agree with you clark that the nfl draft should be abolished it never will be because it's such a money maker for them in terms of ad time and and air time and just it's become such a whole thing but that being said could you not do it something like, you know, college football's um, signing day? Is that what it's called? Where, where high school players or recruit commitment day? I don't know. That's, that is a big thing too, where it's like high school players commit to what college they're going to play to. Like that is something that it also gets drummed up for television. So I think there is a way to, uh, to move on from the NFL draft and still, you know, ESPN, NFL network, 
the NFL itself can still make plenty of money. Uh, and I, I certainly support that and would love for the NFL to take a big stride and a big step in that so that they, these players can determine where they're going to spend, uh, especially like a running back, right? A running back who you have five years, maybe, uh, on average. And it's like, you get to decide where that, what role you're going to play, where that team is, where you're going to play for that, you know, for those years. And, uh, and, be able to negotiate what salary you're earning in that. Yeah. I think that um, more than anything, I, 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 I'm skeptical that the NFL draft being such a moneymaker would be the real driving force there, because I think like what you just said, Pete, you could create a signing day or a day when players are allowed to sign with teams. Um, and, and, you know, you could, ho- you could host an event and there's players all over the place. And, and you could drum that out around. for like a month yeah. for God's yeah. sake. Like, yeah. I think the bigger issue one, I do think that uh, what don't they normally hosted at like radio city music hall or whatever. So Tennessee probably have something to say about that, but I think the bigger issue is that they don't want players to have bargaining power. And when you remove an employee's ability to argue for any aspect of the contract that they're signing, um, or at least you reduce the parameters of it to your, our employee, now let's right. work out the details. Yeah, they, I mean, they don't want that. And that's, you know, that's inherent in the American working structure. But uh, so anyway, I would, I, I'm very in favor of this, Clark. I would never pass on an opportunity to, to say the employee should have more bargaining power. Delightful. Anyone else have any just lingering uh, uh, resolutions or just lingering things they want to touch on to finish as we conclude the year 2020 and also the uh, 2020 fantasy season. I'm just glad that we yelled a lot on our holiday episode. Feels homey. it feels fitting. It feels fitting, right? Uh, the new playoff structure sucks. Uh, why? I don't like it either. Yeah, like you don't I'm like really the, the one team round hesitant. by. Well, yeah. so I'm really leery of the NFL going towards the NBA route where half of the teams make it. Sure. There should be a reward for being good. It's like if six out of 12 of your teams in fantasy football make the playoffs, then the guy who consistently had the best team has three random chances to lose. It's like you should reward the good teams by not just letting anyone play. At least with the NBA and NFL, they play a series. But the NFL is so fluky that, yeah. like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I don't like adding spots. Yeah, on that note, I would say abolish the divisions and, I mean, maybe even the conferences. Like, I could oh, see conferences the best, still being a thing. Best yeah, 16 teams or whatever. I, I think, like, even, like, best eight and don't give anybody uh, mm. a, a playoff buy. Like, home field advantage, okay, I could see that as being a reward. But, I, I mean, the, the bye week, that is so insanely valuable you know, like you have a full week to a lot of injuries can be healed in yeah. a two week span. And yeah, I, that, that seems like it's the most tilting thing uh, out there. So anyway, yeah, I, I think shorten the structure, get rid of this. I mean, the NFC East having a representative is laughable, right? Like it's, <laughs> I love why are we doing that? Though. I love that there's a special subset of teams that you have to be more prepared for because you're going to have to play them twice a year. I think from a fairness perspective, you're totally right. Mm. That, uh, and at best, well, I guess a seven and nine team is going to go to the playoffs. <clears throat> Seahawks uh, <laughs> is disappointing. 
but I, I, I don't know. I like the, I like the visions. I, for fun, yeah, I, I can, I see where you're, where you're coming from, and if, if you're someone who's inclined to support a team, fun, then yeah, okay. Then, if you, if you yeah, enjoy fun, which we've established is not a Nick thing. He likes risk, for God's sake. I mean, I, I think it would be more fun <laughs> to just see an ultra competitive, fair league like that. To me, I, I like screw. I mean. I'll have a new team that I root for every year because they're doing something awesome and I want to see that rewarded. And I think that that's really cool. And I, anyway, yeah, I think uh, enlarging the the pool that we draw from would create much better uh, matchups come playoff time. That's fair. I, I would agree with that. And that's something that in the NBA, they've been trying to, a lot of people have been pushing for too, to get rid of divisions and just do conferences, conference rankings once you get into the playoffs uh, for that same same reason. Well, I want to, before we wrap, before we wrap, I do want to say thank you to you guys. And, and Jordan's not here, but I will, uh, the sentiment is still shared with you, Jordan. Uh, thank you, you guys, for doing this show with me each week. It marks the fourth season that we have done this show. And doing this podcast is easily my favorite part of the job. And that's because it's a ton of fun to talk football with good friends. And so thank you guys for uh, another wonderful year. This is, I always love doing this show. And you guys are what makes it so wonderful and fun. You're welcome. And thank you, Pete. Dad, thanks for always bringing the energy, Pete. Oh, stop. All right. Well, there you go. Last show for 2020. Hopefully your fantasy season ended well, or at the very least ended in enjoyment. Make sure you subscribe to the Fake Teams podcast wherever you get your podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. That's how you'll not only get us, but also our fantasy baseball and fantasy basketball podcast. Uh, Make sure you follow us on Twitter at RB1 Podcast. Follow myself at Pete M. Rogers. Follow Clark at NFL Clark and Nick at Ginger underscore underscore Nick without a K. Don't think that because the fantasy season is done, we are done. We will be back at you next week throughout the entire offseason. If you've never listened to this show before, we talk all the time, always and forever. Don't worry about it. Until then, peace! want to tag this on there Dwayne Haskins got cut yeah not just great. saw that oh you just saw yeah that happened yeah this afternoon wow uh, I was getting a pump I was <laughs> well we're definitely not keeping this in the podcast I, I always try to get a pump before the show I like always gotta listening. gotta get gotta get swole before I jump on the show <laughs>